Hello and welcome to another Western Conference Wednesday here on the Locked On NHL podcast. It is me, Justin Morissette of Locked On Canucks, with Sarah Avampato of Locked On LA Kings. And uh, Sarah, uh, I guess a busy week for you on this feed as well, because uh, you were hosting the Western Conference look at the trade deadline and our trade deadline preview shows that came out uh, on Monday. Yeah, it has been a heck of a week, and it was pretty great to get to hear everyone's uh, thoughts and feedback on what they thought their teams were doing. And uh, I feel like by the time the finished product came out, I feel like some of them were probably already outdated (laughs) because teams are now finally starting to start making some moves. Yeah, of course, uh, the hosts of Locked on Avs were talking about uh, how dependable uh, Grubauer has been all year, and uh, obviously he's now injured, and uh, Miko Rantanen is injured once again as well with, I believe, what I saw to be a broken clavicle, if I'm not mistaken. So life moves fast in the NHL, but life certainly seems like it's moving extra fast in the Western Conference right now. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I I was on an airplane for a little bit on Sunday and I was kind of afraid, kind of dreading to actually look at my phone once I landed, Um, you know, not only for my own team that I cover, uh, but for just in general, like the Marco Scandella trade that happened, I missed it entirely and just saw people tweeting about it like and I was like, but he, he doesn't play for the, the blue. Like, how did he get there? And because it just <laughs> happened when I was, you know, in the air. So, like, this is like the worst time of year to travel or to go anywhere or to have anything else going on in your life because you're going to blink and then four trades are going to happen. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we kind of figured that it might be a quiet week heading into the deadline next week, of course. But it seems like teams are in a rush to kind of do uh, as much shopping as they can before the deadline, uh, which I guess is how normal people shop. Uh, we're just, you know, accustomed to uh, <laughs> the, the the GMs uh, acting like deadbeat dads on Christmas Eve, basically, <laughs> leaving everything for the last minute. But doesn't seem to be the case this year. I'm not sure that uh, you know the crews on TSN and Sportsnet are going to have a ton to talk about by the time it's all said and done uh, and, and they do their trade deadline specials this year. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of like filling dead air because all the good stuff's going to happen already. Uh, well, let's start with, I guess, the biggest move, which uh, I suppose is the one that was made by the team that I cover on a regular basis. Is that fair to say? Is there anything bigger that I'm forgetting about right now? I don't, I don't think so, unless something else happened when I was on that airplane that no one told me about. No, I don't think Marco Scandella really qualifies as a, a bigger acquisition than, <laughs> than uh, Toffoli, Tyler Toffoli heading to the Vancouver Canucks. Now, Sarah, you and I already talked about this in depth yesterday on Locked On Canucks. We're doing a, a double dip. Uh, I, I'm sorry to make you put up with me two days in a row here, but uh, I, I don't want to entirely uh, go back into that conversation as a whole uh, and talk about the player that I guess uh, Vancouver is acquiring. Though, you know, uh, for those who don't listen to the Locked On Canucks show, who didn't hear you on with me yesterday, who might not have the greatest idea of what Tyler Toffoli is up to at this point, because it seems like the LA Kings are a team that's... Uh, Slipped a little bit as far as uh, uh, interest and coverage, you know that I think that happens when you're down towards the bottom of the standings, unfortunately. But uh, this was, you know, uh, barring Chris Kreider, who of course is I think the premier piece that we all believe is going to be traded before the deadline uh, next week. That uh, Toffoli is kind of one of the premier scores that was out there, and Jim Benning felt he had to go make that move immediately. 
Yeah, and from like the King side, it was definitely expected that Toffoli was going to go, and especially the longer that anything, you know, the longer we went without the Kings giving him a new contract, and the more that they put the emphasis on bringing on younger players and everything, it was definitely expected that he was going to go. It was a little bit of a surprise to me uh, to see that Rob Blake is kind of bucking the tradition of you don't trade within your own division um, because not only did Toffoli go to Vancouver, but there's also now rumors that Alec Martinez might go to the Vegas Golden Knights, which like just like knife in your heart, like that, like, I don't want the Kings to deal with them at all, but here we are. Uh, and so it, it's interesting to see that Blake is kind of not following that conventional wisdom of, you know, don't make your rivals better and instead is just looking for the best deal he can get for his team. And if that's in his division, like, so be it. So it, that's, that's been kind of fascinating to see and to see people's reactions to it because, you know, it's not like you just traded someone to, you know, insert Eastern Conference team here. So you're only going to see him twice a year. Like, um, presumably if Toffoli resigns in Vancouver and um, if Martinez goes to, to Vegas, like the Kings are going to see those guys a whole bunch. And, you know, the whole, like, the, it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, he, he was definitely one of the big the big names out there in terms of forwards who could get moved, who could help a, help a team out uh, in terms of scoring. And from what you've said, it sounds like this was a move not only to shore things up for Vancouver for the playoffs, but also uh, to fill some gaps because of some injuries that have happened. Yeah, and that's news that didn't really come out until after the trade had already taken place. Um, you know, uh, I had a feeling that the Canucks were going to go into the deadline and do absolutely nothing, basically. That's what I said on the deadline show on Monday when we looked at all the Western Conference teams. I said, this is a team that has, you know, two guys coming back off the IR that will come back, you know, shortly after the trade deadline uh, in uh, Josh Levo and Michael Furland. And those will be just like deadline acquisitions basically. As it turns out, neither of those guys is expected to come back this year. Jim Benning in his press availability earlier this morning, or on Tuesday morning, I should say, uh, talked about the fact that, uh, uh, you know, Michael Furland has been ruled out for the year uh, due to concussion symptoms. He will not uh, be rejoining the team at any point, which is a huge damper on his season because uh, you know the guy basically didn't have a season at all, uh, had some concussion issues early after a fight, basically came back and and left again, and, and we haven't seen him in months and months and months. So uh, I know that there's people in Calgary who are very attached to Michael Furland for the time that he spent with that franchise. Vancouver fans haven't really had an opportunity to see an attachment there just because he hasn't really played at all. Uh, but, you know, we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago uh, just the, the fear with uh, Stephen Johns returning from concussion that, yes, it's always a nice thing to see these guys come back, but it can fall apart for them again so, so quickly. And that's essentially what happened uh, this year with Michael Furland is that he he never really got right at all. And, and this could be basically the end of his career as a, as a pro hockey player. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. He's still got three years left on his deal in Vancouver after this, but he is done for the year. And concussions are one of those things that you just worry a guy might never really come back from. Uh, not just that, though. Josh Levo ruled out for the remainder of the regular season as well. So those two, quote-unquote, you know, fake deadline acquisitions both got 
pushed right off the board in the last couple days. And on top of that, the injury to Brock Besser in Vancouver uh, was originally uh, just going to take a week, basically. They put him on uh, injured reserve, but were saying that they were going to re-examine him after the next two games, which were spread out over the course of five days. Uh, so he had you know a week, basically, as the uh, initial projection. That was changed to, we'll look at him in three weeks. Today the news came down. It's going to be closer to eight weeks, and he might be done for the year as well. So the need to go out and get uh, a Brock Besser replacement. Look, this was a team that was already going to need another top six forward. This is a team that has been playing Louis Erickson on its second line with Bo Horvat and Tanner Pearson for the better part of the last couple months here. And while Louis Erickson has been a fun story in Vancouver, as people have rallied it around this much dogged player, the whipping boy kind of becoming an unlikely hero, that was never going to be a permanent fix. They were always going to go uh, need to go out and get a top six winger, I guess. The question was if they could make it work. They did make it work salary-wise by uh, shipping Tim Schaller back to L.A., uh, but uh, this is not, of course, the fix that they were hoping for because if Besser's done for the year, then yes, you went out and got your Besser replacement, but you still have, uh, whether it's Louis Erickson or Jake Vertanen, a guy that you'd probably rather have further down the lineup playing in the top six. But hey, good for Jim Benning uh, for keeping that injury news secret because I'm sure that Rob Blake would have extracted an even higher price from the Canucks for Tyler Toffoli if that was public knowledge. You know, you mentioned the Scandella trade to St. Louis earlier, and I'm shocked at the price that was paid by the Blues to acquire Scandella. It's a second-round pick and a conditional fourth, which makes me feel a little bit better about the cost that the Canucks gave up to get what I believe is a significantly better player in Tyler Toffoli, but the reason that St. Louis had to pay that is because teams know that they're out here shopping for a replacement for Jay Bomeister, whose status is still completely unknown after last week's incident. You know, he's going to be fine, uh, but he's still in hospital, and so uh, they went out to grab a replacement player. It cost them big, you know, and if you're Montreal, you come out of that laughing all the way to the bank. You acquired this player two weeks ago for a fourth-round pick. You just flipped him for a conditional fourth and a second. That is a tidy bit of business uh, for Mark Bergevin over there in Montreal, but, you know, that's just the way the NHL goes. If people know that you're desperate, if people know that you have an injury problem, the price is going to to go up, up, up. And I mean, while we're talking about injuries, uh, I just happened to pull up Colorado's page. And uh, bad news for Colorado, everyone on that team is hurt, I think. <laughs> and yet, they are one of those teams this year that has found a way to battle through whatever sort of injuries that they've run into, you know? Uh, I had a feeling initially when they were one of the top teams in the West that they might slip down the standings a little bit because of the rash of injuries that they hit in the first, you know, three weeks or so of the year. They rolled right through all of those punches, but it is, uh, unfortunately, Miko Rantanen again leaving that lineup. We'll see if, you know, they're able to just continue to roll with it. This is a team that already made their play. You know, they went out and got Blake Coleman from uh, New Jersey after the initial report was that he was uh, being dealt somewhere else. I don't even remember where. Maybe, uh, But yeah, Renault Lavoie had that one wrong. Coleman now with the Avs, and uh, the, they might have to go out and spend even more. But the thing is, they have rebuilt so well. They have such a depth of 
young stars on their roster already and more guys coming uh, that you can probably afford to make some moves. You can probably afford uh, to go out and trade a first-round pick perhaps this year when you already uh, reaped the benefit of Ottawa's bad season and are sitting pretty with Bowen Byram in the WHL at the moment. And I feel like it's uh, Colorado's going to be interesting because you know, in, in years past, and I think that this was brought up on the Monday show of um, talking about everyone's deadline plans, that in years past, Colorado has basically kind of done nothing at the deadline. Uh, and even when I, I was uh, fortunate enough to be out in Colorado over the weekend at the stadium series and talking to a few different people who cover the avalanche and all of them were basically like, yeah, nothing's going to happen. Like, you know, even knowing that, you know, Nazem Kadri was going to be out, like, everyone sort of had the feeling of like, well, the Avs never do anything. So we're not going to get our hopes up or our expectations up. Uh, but now in addition to Kadri, uh, Matt Calvert is out. Philip Grubauer is injured. Mika Rantanen is out again. And so it feels like this may be the year that the Avs actually have to start dealing away uh, some of those picks and prospects to, you know, reinforce the fact that they have so many uh, high-powered guys who are injured. But, yeah, they have just kept sailing. It hasn't mattered who's been hurt. It hasn't mattered where in the lineup they are. Like, that team is scary good. And, it, yeah, it hasn't mattered who is playing for them. They still just manage to keep on keep on trucking. It's and a, really weird. A, a quick correction on my part here, Sarah. I said that the Avs had already acquired Blake Coleman and that Renault Lavoie had a false report out initially. I am thinking of that false report, unfortunately. <laughs> Lavoie said that it was the Avalanche who had acquired Coleman. Instead, no, he went to the Tampa Bay Lightning in exchange for Vancouver's first-round pick that they gave up for J.T. Miller. Oh, wow. As well as <laughs> Uh, uh, what was the other piece in that trade? Nolan Foote. So a first-round prospect and a first-round pick for Blake Coleman. The Avalanche were, you know, obviously in that mix and perhaps thought that they had sealed that deal. I, I think Renault Lavoie, uh, I, I don't mean to take shots at him. He's a very tapped-in guy. He tends to know uh, a lot about, you know, behind-the-scenes trade talks, who's going where. He is a, a real, quote-unquote, NHL insider. So if he had that info, I'm sure it came from somewhere. Uh, but uh, that's the the info that stuck in my head was the false report. The the Avs have not acquired a player as of yet, and I guess do have some some real shopping to do. And that, I think, speaks to the price that guys are going to have to pay here if Coleman goes for essentially a first-round pick and a first-round prospect, two firsts, basically. Who knows what the cost on Chris Kreider is going to be. And you know what? If I was the Colorado Avalanche, I'd probably be taking a very hard look at Chris Kreider right now. Yeah, I mean he's he would add the scoring, he'd add the power play stuff and yeah, they have they have the depth at this point to to move out guys that they are uh you know still not turned pro yet or to move out picks and yeah, that's going to be wild to watch because as all of these other pieces start to get moved and Kreider's still there like what in the world are they asking for him because that's going to be enormous. Yeah, I mean, one guy that we did see get moved today was uh, the defenseman from the San Jose Sharks. Brendan Dillon is now a member of the Washington Capitals. And that was a bit of a, a steep price as well. I think it was a second and a third round pick that the Caps gave up to to go get uh, an addition to their blue line. You know, you and I, Sarah, have talked a, a good amount over the last couple of weeks, both in terms of uh, the Kings dealing Kyle Clifford and Jack Campbell to Toronto, and then again yesterday with the Toffoli trade 
to Vancouver about watching these pieces kind of walk out the door and how much that hurts to see as a longtime fan of the team. But of course, at least in LA, you got two Stanley Cups out of the deal. Uh, it's probably a bit of a a bit of a, a, a sour taste in the mouth if you're a San Jose Sharks fan watching your team be sellers at this deadline in a year where you don't even have your own first round pick. They're basically the Ottawa Senators all over again. Yeah, the Sharks are in a real weird spot. And, you know, there was a interview that uh, Dylan did uh, before he was traded after a game where people started asking him about the possibility of being traded. And he just had to walk out of the interview because uh, you know, it was very emotional for him to know that he could get traded from this team that um, I'm pretty sure he's been there his whole career, or you know, if not like a significant part of it. But you know it, that yeah San Jose is in like they're like the, the those charts from Michael Blake McCurry that measures like sadness your chances <laughs> of missing the playoffs and missing you know the top pick like San Jose is just like a hundred percent and I feel like that that's got to be really rough for the fan base to know that not only are they having this terrible season not only are they having to start to trade off guys who have been you know important to them uh, but also they're not even going to get the benefit of you know, a good draft pick for all of their suffering. Uh, that's got to be got to be pretty tough. And, you know, to see that they tried to make moves over the offseason to bring in players who could help. They, you know, Eric Carlson has just been injury ridden and he hasn't been able to play up to the, you know, usual standards that you would expect from him. Um, Martin Jones turned into a pumpkin like, you know, it's just been a real rough year for them. And, uh yeah, to see them come out of all of this with nothing, uh, not even a good draft pick, is uh, got to be just a real downer for everyone over there. The unbelievable irony, though, that it's Ottawa on the receiving end of that pick. They have to be uh, feeling pretty good about that as like a partial redemption, I guess. I mean, who knows where this pick is going to be. It probably will be lower than fourth overall, I would imagine. But still, uh, we all had a great time bagging on the Senators over the course of the last couple years. Looks like they came out of this Carlson trade looking pretty okay. Yeah, and they're already flipping pieces from that trade to other teams to get more picks and prospects and stuff. So something is working in Ottawa and it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, speaking of Ottawa, we talked about uh, the Avs perhaps having interest in Chris Kreider. Jean-Gabriel Pajot is also, you know, I, I think probably the piece to acquire even even more than Kreider perhaps uh, coming out of this deadline. And, and I, I actually think he might even be a better fit with the group that Colorado has. He seems to, you know, be a perfect match for their style of play. I could see the Avs making a play at him perhaps as well. And, and then you're, you're, you're the Ottawa Senators uh, recap, uh, recouping, I should say, some picks and prospects from the Colorado Avalanche in a deal like that, too, uh, would probably go over well with, uh, with the fans in Ottawa and would probably fit well with, uh, with the ambitions of this team in Colorado, which, you know, we have not talked about the, uh, the, the Avalanche, I don't think, enough on this show as far as just this is... I, I get the impression when I watch their games and when I look at their roster and when I look at the age of their key contributors that – do you remember when Ottawa, uh, when Edmonton – rather, I keep having Ottawa on the brain for some reason. <laughs> when the Edmonton Oilers made the playoffs uh, a couple years back before they uh, kind of gutted that roster and made the Taylor Hall trade and so on, et cetera, they made the playoffs with a team that had you know all of those young pieces and they lost in the second round to the Anaheim Ducks, but still, like – 
they looked like a team that was going to win multiple Stanley Cups over the course of the next several years, and I just was like watching them in fear that this team was going to ruin my life for years and years to come. <laughs> God bless Peter Shirelli that that never came to fruition, but I look at what the Avalanche have in place, and I get that same feeling. Like This is a team that should come out of this coming decade with multiple Stanley Cups. This is a team that is constructed to dominate in exactly the same way that Chicago and Los Angeles and Boston did over the last 10 years. I mean, the simple fact that Nate McKinnon is 24 years old, like he's still so young and is arguably still reaching his prime as a player. And probably the best contract in the entire NHL. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he he also seems like, you know, whenever his contract's up, I can't see him being like, give me $12 million or something. Uh, he seems very dedicated to, you know, doing what's best for the team and all that stuff. Like, he gets talked of in the same breath as like Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid. And, you know, watching him play, you're like, yeah, I get it. And if he, you know, they, they have done for all of the years where, Colorado was bad and kind of embarrassing to watch, you know, that one year that was like the record breaking worst season in the NHL or whatever. Um, you know, for all the years that they, they suffered through that, they have built this team and they have actually put a, like a supporting cast around Nate McKinnon that can actually get the job done. And, you know, their defense is a bunch of guys I've never heard of before, but yet still somehow they're making it work. And, they're they're finding out what their weak spots are and they're fixing them and they're not just kind of going well oh well we'll see what happens like they're actually addressing it and yeah they're they're going to be real real unpleasant to have to play for quite some time if they manage to keep uh doing what they're doing now and finding ways to keep everything under the cap and to keep all of these young players you know there on the team they've got Kale McCarr who's just he's 21 and he's already a beast like what the heck <laughs> what is this team I don't understand I don't get it yeah and and the the fact that this defense is still yet to add Bowen Byram who I get a good long look at here in Vancouver as he plays for our WHL team uh, that defense is going to be the envy of the league for the next decade because they have uh, guys who can play strong D, but they also have two of the most dynamic puck movers uh, that the league is going to see for a good long while here. So uh, I am nothing but uh, just green with envy as I look over what Colorado has. Uh, we did talk about the Avs perhaps looking to uh, add to their roster uh, before the deadline. One team that I'm not sure is going to make any moves despite the fact that you know they do have reason to perhaps want to go out and uh, chase some acquisitions due to their injury woes at the moment as well as the Edmonton Oilers who are without Connor McDavid you know best player in the world for at least another three weeks but in that time that he's been out have reclaimed the top spot in the Pacific without him they are three and one in four games with McDavid on the shelf and it's all because Leon Dreisaitl is just playing out of his mind right now and putting together, I think, a very compelling case to win the Hart Trophy this season. And it's so weird to think of Leon Dreisaitl as someone who's underappreciated because he's phenomenal. Like, I don't... Like, I just looked at his points totals and he's, 
like he's ridiculous. How how has he done this? You know, and you know, you can't say that like, oh, it's he's only good because he plays with Connor McDavid. Like that is I mean, 100% that's, that's part not of it. True. That's part of it. I mean, it doesn't help the point totals. I'm sure or it doesn't hurt right. him rather. And like yeah, like it doesn't hurt him, um, but I think that whenever McDavid went out with this injury, there were definitely some people online who were like, oh, now we're really going to see Dreisaitl on his own and it's going to stink and whatever. And instead, he has just been like, you know, heck with this. Like, I'm just going to go score all the points ever, um, McDavid or no. And, you know, he is really just, you know... It's kind of in the same category for me as like Jonathan Huberto over in uh, with the Panthers where, you know, people were always like, oh, wow, who's this guy? He's really good. Like just super underappreciated. But when you watch them, you're like, how are you possibly underappreciated? You are ridiculous to watch. And, you know, Dreisaitl and McDavid are going to drag this team into the playoffs kicking and screaming no matter what. And uh, now it's just Dreisaitl. Like, McDavid is not even able to contribute at this point. But, yeah, I, I don't know how they're doing it. I don't understand their goaltending. I don't understand their defense. Like, Mike Smith looks okay sometimes. Um, it, they, they're just somehow they're, – they're magical. I don't know what's going on up there. I wonder how much of, uh, you know, if, if, if Dreisaitl does fly under the radar to any degree, how much that has to do with just them playing in Edmonton, you know, because like that should work against Connor McDavid as well on some level, but we do have to be like, well, I mean, this guy's the best player in the world. Like, well, we'll pay that lip service to Connor McDavid, uh, uh, but we, we don't necessarily pay the most attention to the Oilers on a game in and game out basis. You know, it's not like having McDavid has uh, launched the Oilers into kind of the prime time games uh, on all the, you know, different uh <laughs> Uh, nights of the week that Sportsnet shows hockey up here in Canada. It's not always the Oilers. It, it, in fact, is rarely the Oilers, I tend to find. And uh, I don't know. It, I know it's a completely different sport, but it also reminds me of, of uh, Russell Westbrook with uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder when he was kind of playing in the shadow of Kevin Durant. And people knew, yes, that these are two superstars playing together. But yet every time Durant got injured, Westbrook would just take his game uh, to a whole nother level. And yes, I understand that's a completely different sport to draw a parallel to, but there is something, I think, to when uh, one half of a star duo is sitting on the shelf, the other half of that just feeling so motivated to uh, show that, you know, they're a very important part of this mix as well. It's not just the other guy. Yeah, and I think it doesn't it doesn't help too that you know everyone in the league knows Connor McDavid, and I, I you know I can't count how many you know gifs or screenshots or whatever I've seen from games where it's like five guys from another team all ganging up on McDavid, and then Drysaddle's left alone in front of the net because everyone is always so concerned about what is Connor McDavid going to do that sometimes they just don't even remember that there's anyone else on the ice. And I've, I've certainly seen that uh, just in, you know, the Kings are a terrible example because they're a bad team, but um, just in seeing them play the Oilers a ton of times every season, there's always at least one shift where everyone is just watching what Connor McDavid does and no one pays a single bit of attention to anyone else on the ice. And, uh, you know, so I think it, it's not just fans. I think sometimes it's the actual guys playing who haven't always particularly uh, properly prepared for who they're going to be taking on because they're so uh, 
convinced that McDavid's the only guy they have to worry about. Oh, before we wrap up here, Sarah, I do want to ask you a little bit about the team that you cover on the regular, and that is, of course, the LA Kings. We talked a little bit about Tyler Toffoli earlier. You mentioned that there is perhaps a pending trade coming together between uh, the Vegas Golden Knights and the Kings as well that would send Alec Martinez to uh, Las Vegas. Uh, The Bob father, Bob McKenzie, reported on Tuesday that the most telling sign will be if Martinez is in or out of the Kings lineup versus Winnipeg. I just checked the game sheet for that one. Martinez did not play on Tuesday against the Jets for the Kings. Uh, By the time people wake up and listen to this on Wednesday morning, Sarah, do you have a feeling that Alec Martinez will no longer be a member of the LA Kings? I think it might take a little longer, like maybe lunchtime. Um, I think from what I have understood and uh, just from being familiar with Vegas in general, because I also cover the Chicago Wolves uh, over at SB Nation, uh, and the Wolves are, at least for this season, still uh, Vegas's AHL team, so I have to be a little more familiar with Vegas than I usually would be, uh, is that they are very, very tight up against the cap. And so the sort of working theory is that Vegas needs to either move other players out or like wait for some sort of magical cap shenanigans to clear themselves out. Uh, but, you know, unfortunately for me as someone who likes Alec Martinez as a person and as a player, um, I do think that this is probably going to happen. Um, I think it might take a little bit longer just for Vegas to sort out the money situation, especially if um, what I've heard, the return is just going to be picks. So if Vegas isn't sending any money back over, uh, then they're definitely going to need to do some some juggling to fit his cap hit in but it's coming and i hate it but you know i'm not the gm so i can't do anything about it well while i uh, am looking at the game sheet from last night's action between the uh, kings and jets another name jumping out at me here one i'm very familiar with uh, from his time in vancouver is ben hutton who uh, played 19 and a half minutes in that game and was a plus two in a 6-3 defeat uh, at the hands of the winnipeg jets has this guy played well enough this season to perhaps put him uh, in the sight lines of a team looking for a deadline rental or just additional depth on defense he was uh, a late addition to la uh, a training camp tryout he was not able to land a a contract after he was cut loose in Vancouver, but uh, has Ben Hutton kind of played himself into a position where teams might come calling on him as well? I think he has. He's been kind of... He's kind of streaky, and I think that you, as someone who covers Vancouver, may uh, be familiar with. Like, there'll be nights where I'm watching him, and I'm like, wow, like, he's really, really great. And then the next night I watch him, I'm like, oh, what was that? Seems, that was, no, Seems go very away. disengaged uh, and not trying particularly hard uh, on certain yes. nights, yeah. Yeah, and so I, I think that he he could be a very under-the-radar pick, and it, it seems like that would be something that, um, you know, Rob Blake might just deal him on the day for – you know, a fifth round pick or something and just, you know, call it a day. But, you know, from the Kings perspective, they also have to be conscious of they can't get rid of all of their defensemen uh, (laughs) who have any experience. So I could see someone like Hutton sticking around for, for the remainder of this season, just because the more of the veteran players who they like, they can't have Drew Doughty and five youths from the AHL. Like, yeah tank job or no like they need to have actual competent players um but i would not be surprised if hutton gets moved um i think that he is probably a little more attractive than any of the other defensemen who the other non-alec martinez defensemen 
uh, on the Kings for someone who's looking for kind of a depth, you know, sixth, seventh defenseman kind of kind of uh, position. Uh, but uh, Hutton was also um, healthy scratched a couple of times recently, which sort of, you know, made me think like, is this a healthy scratch because you're, you know, we're just trying to rotate guys in and out, or is this a healthy scratch because something could be coming down uh, the trade wire soon? But yeah, I would not be surprised to see him get moved um, just because he is competent enough and good enough in, you know, in spurts that a team who's looking for, you know, that extra assurance that they've got an NHL caliber caliber defenseman, um, you know, he could fill that bit, fill that role. So uh, we'll see what happens. Well, I think that's the perfect place to uh, put a pin in this one, Sarah. We will see what kind of conference we are looking at uh, by the time we reconvene next week for another Western Conference Wednesday after the deadline has passed and uh, teams have made their moves looking towards the playoffs. This is the most exciting time of the year uh, to be a hockey fan of a team that doesn't head to the postseason. I'm sure the playoffs are a little bit more exciting for fans of uh, teams who do, but uh, a very exciting time nevertheless. And uh, we will talk all about the moves that were made, the moves that weren't made when we speak again next week. Wednesday. Of course, if you want to hear more from Sarah and the Los Angeles Kings, you can head on over to the Locked On Kings podcast feed. And uh, I am covering the Vancouver Canucks on a daily basis over at Locked On Canucks. Sarah, always a pleasure. Uh, Happy to do this with you once again. Gladly. Talk to you next week, Sarah, and talk to you next week, listeners. Enjoy the trade deadline. This has been Sarah Avampato and Justin Morissette for the Locked On NHL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.